Hello, everybody, and welcome to Eliminated, a Royal Rumble podcast. I am your host, Bill, and joining me is Jim Boystor. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing well, ready for the 1991 Royal Rumble, and I don't mean to get too far ahead, but 1993 is coming up soon, and remember, folks, that is the episode that is the last in order, as far as after that episode, the wheel gets brought into play, and we start jumping around. So there's going to be a little bit of a build, I think, in this episode and the next episode for 93, because that's a pretty major episode. It is. It is. And joining us today for this episode is Josiah McDonald. Hi, how you guys doing? Doing good. Hey, hey Josiah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you have going on? You know, what... Yeah, just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, my name's Josiah. I live in uh, Canada in the on the East Coast in a little province called New Brunswick. And I have been a wrestling fan for the majority of my life. And uh, currently, I write for the Daily DDT and Recap Lucha Underground for WrestlingObserver.com. And I also uh, happen to run the social media for a local indie here. So I'm a part of a local promotion in my town. Very, very wrestling diverse, I would say. Yeah, it sounds like. Very yes, nice. yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Did you, before we go into the first part of our show where we talk about what's going on in the cur- in the promotion and other promotions around this time, uh, did you see this before? Have you seen this Royal Rumble before? I have seen the 1991 Royal Rumble before. I think this was my second time seeing it. Uh, Maybe third. I would have watched it when I was uh, quite little, and I probably would have watched it in the last few years, and I actually did watch it earlier today just to get prepared. All right, and for me, I can tell everyone right now that I have. this is one of those ones I have not seen before, so let's keep that in mind as we go forward. Bill, what's going on in the world of wrestling around this time? All right, well, let's look at WWF. Uh, At this time, Sergeant Slaughter has returned, but he is an Iraqi sympathizer uh, supporting Saddam Hussein. Yeah, very smart move. Uh, He would end up challenging Ultimate Warrior for the WWF title at this pay-per-view. Hulk Hogan is in a feud with the Earthquake. Um, Earthquake put Hogan out of commission in 1990 but he came back around SummerSlam so they're still feuding <clears throat> excuse me and um, Jake the Snake Roberts got blinded by Rick Martell's arrogance the bottle not actually <laughs> arrogance to... not, not his ego <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so Jake is getting his vision back uh, going into this show Ultimate Warrior is the World Wrestling Federation champion Mr. Perfect is the Intercontinental Champion, and the Hart Foundation are the Tag Team Champions. There is only one other wrestling promotion in town at this particular point in time. It is WCW. Ric Flair would just recently won the World Heavyweight title back from Sting eight days before this show happened, so that was a recent event. Real shocking event. Yeah, exactly. The first, like, five, <laughs> four or five shows, Ric Flair's world champ. Um, 
Doom are the World Tag Team Champion. Lex Luger is the United States Champion. The Steiner Brothers are the United States Tag Team Champions. And the World Television Champion is Arn Anderson. Now, I know that we usually don't go through the event, or if we do go through the rest of the event outside of the Rumble match, it's not really that much. I did feel that we are now back to a year where not the focus isn't really with the Royal Rumble match. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes here the first priority, for as I saw watching this show, and you can say if you agree or not, was Warrior and Slaughter. Yep. The mm-hmm. second priority was the troops in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. third priority was the Royal Rumble match. Yep, pretty much. Absolutely. That exact order. Because in the beginning, they do the national anthem, which is very rare, you know, for pay-per-views. I think the only time they would do it is WrestleMania, and it would be America the Beautiful. So mm-hmm. it's a very rare thing that we saw that. I mean, we did get a set of pre-recorded interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, did any of those stick out to either of you two, like you, Josiah? Uh, no, not too many. I, uh, to be honest, I only watched the Rumble match itself. Okay. I didn't, I didn't go back and watch the uh, the whole show. I just didn't have the time to. That's fine. Um, so I missed the promos there. I've seen them before. I just can't recall them at the moment. Well, I mean, Earthquake sounded very similar to last year's, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I thought Earthquakes was... Maybe a cut. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a cut and paste situation. You know, Good. I, no, I was gonna say the interviews backstage. I didn't remember many, but I remember the Coliseum video ones that mm. you know were the exclusive ones. Because like Dino Bravo's like, I don't care who I gotta go to. I don't care if I gotta throw out Earthquake. I'm gonna win this Rumble, and and he can't pronounce like his Q's and his T's right. And Demolition, they do, like, separate interviews, and they're like, I'm going to throw my partner out, even if he's in my way. And Tugboat's like, I'm going to throw Hulk Hogan out if he's in my way. So, yeah, Tugboat. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of you know, dissension, it looks like, going into it. Uh, that was my other note for the pre-recorded interviews was, go Tugboat, three exclamation points. <laughs> uh, I did also want to bring up, this was interesting, we find out that Rowdy Rowdy Piper does not tip. So <laughs> Piper and Gorilla announced, are the announcers for this, and this is where we learn that Rowdy Piper does not tip because he says some story about Rowdy Piper going out for dinner or something with Virgil, yep. and he's like, we didn't have to leave a million-dollar tip. We just went our way and left or something to that effect. Like, All right, you don't tip. We get it. <laughs> and by the way... That whoever would have gotten that million dollar tip was probably thrilled. <laughs> oh, uh, we're back to every two. Well, we never have gone away from every no, two minutes. We're, we're still at every two minutes. So I'm wondering when that starts to get finagly. Yeah. I think I think that's in the mid 2000s. And... I think it's sooner than that. I think well, the nine isn't the one with Shawn Michaels one like one minute. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. I think you're right. Speaking of uh, number one, let's start with the Royal Rumble. All right. And we're going to go through entries one through five. Number one was Bret Hart 
Number two, Dino Bravo. Number three, Greg Valentine. Number four, Paul Roma. And number five, the Texas Tornado. And I have during this segment eliminated is Dino Bravo. Josiah, why don't you start our discussion on this group? Okay, so when Bret Hart came out, he got a massive pop. Mm-hmm. And you can almost kind of feel the wave of change happening where the transition is the fans are starting to get really behind Brett. And that's actually going to be really important heading into the next two or three Royal Rumbles, uh, where Brett is kind of moving into that position of being the number one guy. He's I noticed, I, and I did notice that as Brett, well. Bravo on commentary. Oh. Uh, we broke up a little there, Josiah, just to let you know. So we didn't catch the last part of what you said. Say that again. Uh, my uh, my apologies for that. Uh, Monsoon completely buried Hart and Bravo on commentary at one point. He uh, <clears throat> he said that uh, that neither man can win this event, and he just completely said they don't have a chance, which would, <laughs> which would take the fans at home out of it. It's like, well, why am I watching these two if they don't have a chance? Right. <laughs> And uh, maybe he could have said, you know, it's hard to draw the first two numbers, but these are two are in great condition, and you never know. They can win it because mm-hmm. only the best are here in the WWF. Mm-hmm. And so that that puts over the hard, the difficulty of the match, but at the same time puts over both guys. Right. I mean, you're right. I agree with that. Uh, I don't think the announcers made reference to this, but Bret Hart, this is his second time drawing number one. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they never made that reference. What do you have, Bill? Give me give me a note that you have for this second. Well, the first one that I have is the Fink does not explain the rules. He does, mm. he does not explain the rules of the Rumble. He just says it's time for the Royal Rumble. They play Brett's music and they just go right into it. But but then I I have written down that it's every two minutes and I got that from somewhere. So I don't know maybe if the announcers said it. Someone said yeah, that. Yeah, the I announcers have... did. Oh, yeah, okay. Because Roddy was like, well, there are no rules except getting thrown out. That's exactly what <laughs> Piper said. He's like, we should go over the rules, Gorilla. There are none. He's throwing them out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one thing that was also different about this that you that you bring up, sort of. I mean, I'm transitioning to this, mm-hmm. is that there's no bad guy announcer for the first time in Royal Rumble's match history. Yeah, that's right. Mm, no. No Jesse Ventura. Right. Boy, How did you guys feel about that? It's a little weird. It. Uh, I find it would have probably helped to have Monsoon always does better when he has someone to play off, like a Jesse Ventura or, or a Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that he couldn't play off Piper, but it's not quite the same. I also noticed that managers are still allowed uh, outside. Yep. So we, we're sticking with that for now, because mm-hmm. remember last episode, it was all about Bobby Heenan being an instigator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm still waiting for Bobby Heenan and Sapphire for WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> and did anyone make a note of Bret Hart's thumb possibly being in Greg Valentine's ass? No, no. <laughs> So there's one weird thing where... Oh, wait, I know, I know the part you're talking about. <laughs> where he is going to throw him out, and Valentine's drawers are falling down, but only on the backside. And I, I get what he's doing. Like, he's, he's probably just trying to, like, 
not show, cr- make sure the camera doesn't show crack. <laughs> and, but I'm like, you're wiggling around a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, I'm not saying he's doing it on purpose, but I could see where a thumb is in an ass here. <laughs> it suddenly becomes apparent why Valentine was no selling for Brett then. <laughs> oh, I gotta watch that match again just to see that. I don't know how you could have missed it. It was very glaring to me for some reason. As, as soon as I thought about it, I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about now. What else do you have to add on this section, Josiah? Anything else? Well, I timed all the entrances because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's notorious later on, especially post-2000, that the Royal Rumble, they just do whatever time they want. Yeah. They say it's two minutes and it could be 30 seconds. Uh, and uh, and actually, to, at to date, for, at least with the ones here, or up to number five, it was all exactly two minutes. Right. Keyword there, up to this point. To Interesting. This point. Yes. Because I like it, because I think more people should call them out on that, and I'm too lazy to, so I'm glad that you're on the show. <laughs> for that one reason, if the only that. <laughs> uh, Bill, what else you got on this seg- segment? All right. I noticed when they did the countdown for the first time, when they got to zero, they had, like, a game show buzzer going off. Mm. <laughs> Instead of, like, maybe, like, the arena uh, horn going off, it just sounded like a game show buzzer. It was really loud. And then after that, we don't have a buzzer for the entire re- the entire match. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I, it was only for the first few. It was yeah, it was only for Valentine. So Greg Valentine killed the buzzer. Wow. <laughs> you know you noticed that, but you didn't notice exactly Hart's thumb up Valentine's ass. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> See, I didn't notice that, but I noticed the other thing. Um, Paul Roma. I was surprised to see him here. I knew that he did have some time in the WWE slash WWF, but I I guess I thought it was shorter than I even thought. You mean Romeo Roma. Is that what it is? <laughs> well, Romeo well, Roma? No, that's what Piper called him. That's what Piper said. He's like, here comes Romeo, and then... then uh... Where art thou? I come to climb like a tree. <laughs> uh, Josiah, you got anything else for this segment? All I can say is for the first portion of the match, Bret Hart was easily the best worker in the match. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. Like, yeah, and he showed it. He was selling for everyone, and you know he was just trying to do everything he could to put guys over. And uh, Kerry Von Erich, uh, the Texas Tornado, he was pretty over as well when he came out. Oh yeah. Where where was this again? I don't remember. Do you guys remember what the location Miami? was? Okay. Let me. I'll pu- I'll pull it up in just a second. I was gonna say because I was like, oh, maybe they were in Texas. But I wasn't that sure. I, they might still be in Florida, I think, for this one. Okay. Um, but, you know, let me, Bill, what did you think about Piper's performance to start off here as an announcer? Uh, well, to start the match, he's excited because it's the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And even Gorilla made a point where it's like, I can tell you want to be in this. And I I don't know if he had an injury or if they just had him on commentary just to have somebody on commentary. Because he was doing nothing at this time. So, um... Now, when you say he was doing nothing, do you also mean, like, he wasn't actually in matches around this time as well? 
Like, he didn't have a storyline. He would do, like, a match every so often. But he mm-hmm. hadn't, like, I, I don't think he had retired at this point. Right. So. Um, All right. To, to confirm, the Rumble was in Miami. That's what I thought. Okay. And I'm looking at what Piper was doing in 91. <laughs> <laughs> As the, at the turn of the, like, yeah, it's weird because I guess Ventura would have left for WCW, right? Because like, Ventura goes to WCW, right? In, like, yes. 92. Yeah. I mean, that's not that far no. away. He no. could have done spot shows here and there before going to WCW. Um, oh, no, you know what he you know what he was doing now that now I'm thinking of it? He was a mayor in Minnesota. Oh, so oh. the political dreams have already begun exactly. at this point. <laughs> Great. Okay, uh, was it an easy victory? I guess the question would next be. That's a good <laughs> question. I have no idea. Um, I would like to ask him, but I'm afraid he'd go into a 20-minute rant on how they there was a conspiracy theory of how the campaign made it a close race for the mayorship. <laughs> well, uh, Piper wasn't doing much in 91. He was just... He was just there. He actually he ended up supporting Virgil in his feud against Ted DiBiase. I can't wait. That to makes about sense. That. But one of the biggest stars of the '80s in, in storyline death. Yep. And not tipping. And not, yeah, tipping. not tipping. I still can't believe like that's that was a thing <laughs> that he was like, "Yep, we just." Eight, seven, And that's the the horn, so we're going to go to 6 through 10. 6 is Rick Martell, 7, Saba Simba, 8, Butch of the Bushwhackers, 9, Jake Roberts, and 10, Hercules. And I have, during this segment, the only person eliminated, Saba Simba, Hakuna Matata. (laughs) Poor Saba Simba. Poor Tony Atlas. (laughs) That gimmick was death, but... You know, he's thankful for it because apparently it did help him get back on his feet. But I mean, it's too bad he didn't have it a few years later Mm -hmm. when the Lion King came out. Then who knows what could have happened? Yeah, (laughs) he could have been Steve Austin. (laughs) His finisher would be Proud Roar. Would be great. (laughs) But in a serious note to Saba Simba Hakuna Matata, um, was he injured? Because I noticed a limp. I mm-hmm. think that's how he walks. With a limp? Or he did like a little like, not a limp, but like a. Oh God, how would you, how would you call it, Josiah? Like a, a, like a half strut, half leap. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Uh, I I think it just might have been the way he, the way he wrestled with with uh, his gimmick. Maybe he could, maybe he was just beat up. Maybe so that's. I mean, he, he was wrestling for a long time at that point, oh, so. Yeah. I thought you were saying in this Rumble, because he didn't last that long there. <laughs> no, no, his career. <laughs> we find out some more Piper fun facts during this segment. We find out that Rowdy Piper's favorite tag team are the Bushwhackers. Yep. Uh, certainly, they were my favorite tag team two years previously when we talked about the... Uh, <laughs> 89 Rumble, the true stars of that show, if people want to go back and listen to that one. Josiah, what do you have for this segment? 
Well, I have uh, when uh, Simba was eliminated, he was eliminated by Martel, but it was really he just eliminated himself. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what he was trying to do. He was trying. It was like he was trying to do a uh, running body slam over the top rope onto Martel, and they both went over. But he he put Martel on the apron and then landed on his head and then fell out to the ring. So I'm not really sure what he was trying to do there, but I guess he kind of eliminated himself. And uh, I have uh, notes about Jake Roberts getting a massive reaction, mm-hmm. just an incredible reaction. And uh, also, when um, Martel rolled out of the ring to avoid Jake Roberts, uh, referee Shane McMahon tried to get Martel back in the ring. Yep. I am so glad that you brought that up. Bill, let's have a discussion right now, because now, in the future, any complaints that I have could have been avoided if they stuck with the rule that Josiah just mentioned. Shane McMahon counting Martel to get back That's in. Right. Otherwise, he's disqualified. <laughs> I, half of my complaining about the inconsistency of the Royal Rumble would be thwarted if they would have stuck with that rule. Mm. And it's interesting, too, uh, watching as the company evolves and gets more and more into the Attitude Era and all that kind of stuff, where they just stop caring about the rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, stop, they stop caring about logical consistency in their stories or what happened last week. They stop caring about the rules in the match. Like, we saw that uh, prime example of that, the last pay-per-view, when a Hell in a Cell ended in a no contest. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that. I, but I would argue that they have kind of... I don't want to say not cared about their own rules, but kind of shot down the numbers thing right in the first episode of this podcast. If you remember, Bill, uh, number 20 was pretty much nothing in the first episode. Exactly. In fact, as you said, it was the shortest time. Mm -hmm. So, so, so there goes the number, the number matters stuff. It's really weird. Cause again, we go back. I mentioned it before. Managers are now still allowed. What did you think? What do you think of that, Bill? Well, I'm I'm still a supporter of that as long as they don't physically get involved. I am I'm a supporter of them staying at ringside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bill, what do you have? Uh, first thing that I have is the crowd loves Butch. They just love Butch <laughs> when he comes out. <laughs> um, they remember his '89 performance exactly. And then I think one of my highlights of this match is when Gorilla Monsoon asks where Saba Simba is. And Piper's like, he just got eliminated. Martel dumped him out of the ring. <laughs> so I think Gorilla's old age has started the show in this one. I like Gorilla, but oh, man. Where did, where did Saba go? Oh, he's out. I kind of wish Saba Simba lasted longer. I had a few good Lion King jokes on the on the pad, and then I'm like, ah, oh, he's already out. It's 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 too bad he wasn't thinking of our podcast back in '91. Right, uh, <laughs> four minutes you could fit them in. Even before even before the Lion King came out, they should have known. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what? Real quick, there was supposed to be a storyline with Saba Simba and Akeem. Okay. For, oh man. For who was like 
the true best wrestler from Africa. Oh my gosh. I was hoping you were going to say, like, Akeem did something to his father. That would be amazing. Hey, let me tie one Disney reference to another Disney reference that I've just been thinking of okay. uh, while watching this match. Hercules. Yes. I knew you were going there. <laughs> How did WWE not get in trouble for this? Certainly they can't own Hercules. The, um, you know, Hercules is, what, what is it, uh, mythological or yeah. mythology? Yeah, mythological. I don't, I, I'm wondering, I started wondering during this, how did they use him? How did they use that name? Uh, at back then, they didn't trademark names either in the WWF, so mm-hmm. he, you could basically use whatever you want as long as they. And I'm ass, I'm assuming the name Hercules isn't trademarked. Exactly. Because, I guess I guess you're right. It is the it is 91. That was probably less important but, then. But yeah. and uh, and I mean when Hercules the movie came out, Disney would have probably trademarked it as yeah. Disney's Hercules. And, but Jim, I I still have that thinking not with the Hercules name. But when Triple H, you know, comes out and they call him the King of Kings, I still have that thought of like, oh, how are they getting away with that? Mm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it's funny because uh, you think, wow, more people would be offended by that, you would exactly. think. Exactly. Uh, our apologies to the, uh, you know, those firm Christian believers out there listening to that, or to this show being offended by that part, but, <laughs> yep. Yeah. The irony, the irony being that I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm just, uh, <laughs> there we go. But I'm not offended by it. Okay. I mean, it's Good job, Bill. It's, you, it's just wrestling. Good job, Bill. You almost offended the guest. <laughs> Great job. It wouldn't it, be the first time. Hey, it's almost impossible to offend me. So. Yay. <laughs> so, Sia, what else do you got for this? Anything else? Well, I wrote... Um, as oh, how the times? Oh, the times? All two minutes still. So uh, I was actually quite impressed by that. For 10, 10 entrants, it was all two minutes. And I also wrote that the crowd went mild as Roma and Hercules double-teamed Butch because they <laughs> love Butch. <laughs> they just went silent as soon as they started hitting Butch. Well, like, uh, I mean, Butch was the hero of the 89 Rumble. For me, at least. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yep, listen, yep. To that, listen to that one back in the archives, folks, and you can see my excitement of – Butch marching around, and then me realizing, oh my god, he's still in this. Mm-hmm. You, you should, uh, you should have seen those guys as the uh, sheep herders in the NWA. They were so different, <laughs> so I've, so. I've different. heard, I've heard. They, they were vicious heels. Mm-hmm. It was quite incredible. Um, and by the way, so I guess since we have some, well, how are we looking on the clock right now? We have forty-five seconds left. All right, we're going to wait it on it because we do tend to go over just a little bit of the rest of the card. I was going to try to fade in this segment, but I don't I don't think we're going to do it this segment uh, as we prepare for the next batch of people. I just want to point out, and this is real quick, early on in the match, like when Piper asks how much time there's left, the 10 second countdown clock comes up. And it's like three in a row where he hits it on the nail. Like, we got to be close to the next person. Ten, nine, eight. It's like three in a row. It's amazing. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. So that's our timer. 
Uh, 11 through 15, 11, Tito Santana, 12, The Undertaker, 13, Jimmy Snuka, 14, The British Bulldog, and 15, Smash. And during this segment, I have eliminated Paul Roma, Bret Hart, Butch, and Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Once The Undertaker came in, I immediately said, leave Butch alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Josiah, what do you have for this one? Well, uh, to continue with the, what was said, too, um, uh, later, uh, as it comes a little bit later on, uh, Piper starts going, it's got to be close to that time now, and he did nail it three times, and then he was off for the rest of the night. <laughs> Quite badly. He should have quit while he was ahead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I think he started in this segment, and he there was times where he was like a good minute off. Uh, and it was quite funny. And it almost seemed like he was just like, okay, get those jobbers out of here. We're waiting for the next star. That almost what it seemed, what it, what it seemed like on commentary. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had uh, see Roma being eliminated by Roberts. Um uh, Bret Hart did a neat little thing that if you just pay attention to, he does all those little things right. Uh, when uh, I think it was Valentine and someone else were trying to throw him over the top rope, uh, Luke happened to be right behind trying to save him, and so Bret, to save himself, reached down and grabbed around Luke's waist and pulled himself to the mat. Uh, not Luke, sorry, Butch. Butch. And uh, I just thought that these little things like that, to use his, use his babyface friend. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's interesting to see Taker in his early days. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned about the Butch line, Undertaker did go after Butch, and I was sad. Um, I also, all, here's, <laughs> here's an interesting note. I wrote down that at this point, Kevin Dunn is probably furious about the two fans that kept getting screen time in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. They kept going back and forth to make sure, like, because they, they, they must have known they were on, like, the hard camera part. Mm-hmm. And they just kept on appearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them was that uh, little, uh, was it a little kid? No, they were, two, two of them were adults. Uh, okay, um, okay. They, they sat, I think they sat next to each other. Either that or they just kept going back and forth and... I know security got up at one point, you know, probably to tell them, guys, come on, sit down. <laughs> and I was just thinking, God, they must be so, the, the Kevin Dunn and whoever's in the trust got to be so mad, like, I'm on the shot. No, got to get away. They're standing up again. You, you can you can hear, just hear Vince in someone's headset, <laughs> get those guys to sit down, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I also have that Martel spent a lot of time outside of the ring. He did. He did. But he never, like, he went, like, through the ropes, but he never, like, except for that one time, he never went to the floor the rest of the match that I can mm. remember. Like, it was he, a great, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, he was always on the eight. Do you have anything, Adam, do you want to take this try to kind of over what else happened during the Let's, yeah, let's talk about what happened during the show. Um... So let me get the card up. I have it right here. We had five matches before the Rumble, which might be a record at this time. Because normally it's like three or four. Yeah, but then sometimes they would do a, a skit. Uh, okay, so opening match, a fantastic match. The Rockers beat the Orient Express. Great match to start that off. Ma- 
that that match is awesome. That, and, might, that might be the match of the night. And uh, at least to that point in the WWF, easily the best opening match they've ever maybe the best opening match in Royal Rumble history until recently. Yeah. Uh, then we had a segment where Sensational Queen Sherry asks the Ultimate Warrior to give Randy Savage the next title shot should he retain the title. And Warrior is, you know, as his warrior self, he screams no. And it's a, it's so funny because Savage, like when he sees it, he's like, he said no, he said no, he's not gonna go out there. <laughs> and he runs and he hops right through the crowd over the guardrail to get to Sherry, but you know, just too late. Why did he say no? Well, I, the, I don't know why the Warrior said no. Maybe he felt Savage didn't deserve the title shot because okay. in in storyline, Slaughter had had said. Savage, you will get the next shot if I become the champion. So, okay, I get yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. Big Boss Man defeated the Barbarian, and then we have history. The first title change, well, not not the first title change, but the first WWF title change in Royal Rumble history. Sergeant Slaughter beating the Ultimate Warrior to become the World Wrestling Federation champion with help from Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mountie defeated Coco Beware, and Ted DiBiase and Virgil defeated Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, which leads to one of the best face turns maybe of the 90s when Virgil whacks DiBiase in the face with the million-dollar belt. The crowd goes crazy. They went insane. Oh, my God. Insane. Like, you see... And you think, oh my gosh, Virgil's the next big star. (laughs) And then you watch him in the ring. (laughs) You know what the funny you know what the funniest part about that whole segment is? And Jim, I'm gonna recommend whenever you get a chance, watch this part. When DiBiase's on the mic talking to Virgil, this one fan throws a cup of lemonade and it hits DiBiase square in the back of the head. It's a bullseye shot and DiBiase no-sells it. It is so great. <laughs> good for the, good for that fan for having good aim then, I guess. Oh, God. He the, great aim. <laughs> the, the only real criticism I would have of that match, uh, they, um, they did a... Virgil was like kind of shoved off the ring, and DiBiase was left alone at the end of the match. Mm-hmm. And Dusty was just taking it to Ted DiBiase, and the crowd was going insane. And in typical Vince McMahon fashion, he did not realize the crowd knew who Dusty Rhodes was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, only one of the biggest stars from the '80s. Even right. in, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you knew who he was. It didn't really matter. And it's in Florida, for goodness sake. Dusty, mm. Dusty was the biggest star in Florida in the '80s. Yeah. And uh, and then he just has DiBiase beat him with a roll-up, and, and even though it was one on two. And let's not also forget the Hulk Hogan interview, oh, because yes. where we learn about you know he's dedicating the Rumble match to the troops in Saudi Arabia, and therefore, and for the purposes of our podcast, that makes Hulk Hogan the only person that actually has a reason to be in the Royal Rumble match. <laughs> and then and then there's the part in that interview where Mean Gene interrupts him and he's like, 
Sergeant Slaughter is burning the American flag. And this gets Hogan upset and like he like miss says a couple words at the end of the promo and he's like, I'm gonna do to Sergeant Slaughter what the troops are doing to and it's almost like he's going in, it's almost like he's going into a stroke. Having a conniption. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, funny. that that was peak Murica promo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So yeah, it's, like I said, it's interesting because they gave Hogan a reason to win, mm-hmm. but still have not given the other twenty nine people a reason to win. <laughs> I, I I think everyone knew who was winning this one uh, going in. Yeah. Like, how could you not? Wow. Right. True. I'll, I'll have something for at the end. Okay. Okay. Uh, though you're gonna give me a, a Ventura, I I can't believe it from the last episode situation. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. No. That still gets me mad, by the way. Eight, seven, <laughs> six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, and now we go to sixteen through twenty. 16 is Hawk, 17 Shane Douglas, 18 Nobody Came Out, 19 Animal, and 20 is Crush. And for this section, I have eliminated uh, Tornado, Snooka, Undertaker, and Hawk. Josiah, and, while you start the discussion. All right, and uh, also number eight is eliminated. Apparently, you don't make it to the, for the clock starts. You're eliminated mm-hmm. for the next guy, which is a, a rule that I don't think they fall on later. I think this is the only rumble. And as I put in my notes, uh, maybe the smartest person at this time. Because, again, <laughs> if you're in the rumble, you don't win anything. So why would you – what is even the point mm-hmm. of wanting to be in this match? Right. Other than at the one point I know that they had said in previous years, and I noticed they dropped this for this year, Bill – uh, in previous years, they'd say, I want to be king of the Royal Rumble. Right, right. We didn't get any of that shit this no, time. we didn't. But, but mm. you know, I, I want to... So it's, so it's got even less meaning than it has right. in previous years. But I want to say, with 18, real quick, there yes. was somebody coming out. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. a nothing moved. There was somebody who was, like, halfway opening the curtain, and then it closed real quick. Uh, I remember, so again, I had not seen this Royal Rumble, and my immediate fear for some reason on 18, I was like, I hope it's not Tugboat. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, because I could see the company being like, okay, this is the sacrificial lamb Mm -hmm. that will take out, and yeah, and I was like, I hope it's not Tugboat. And and we'd end up missing the Tugboat. Right. But... But I wrote that we actually have a storyline within the match. This mm-hmm. is a story. And something to keep us uh, wondering, you know, who is that? Mm-hmm. At one point, Hook comes out, and everyone seems to be ganging up on Hook. I'm like, why are you guys not attacking The Undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess the uh, Road Warriors or Legion of Doom were the, uh, the superpower baby faces that the, the heels needed to all attack. I already said this, but I, I just want to read specifically from my notes here. Someone straight up said, 
it's not worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> why are we watching this match then? <laughs> I still don't know why. I mean, right now it's for Hogan to go to Saudi Arabia. Like, exactly. after the Hogan interview, I get that that's what this match exists for. Oh my gosh, I just thought of something they could have done with Tugboat the, to have your fear. It would have been like, oh, Tugboat left to go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> the Tugboat is supporting our troops. He's pulling the, he's pulling the ships over into the Middle East. He's uh, carrying them on his back because he's a boat. Yes. Uh, and are those other ships colored in red and yellow? <laughs> they might be. <laughs> He's carrying Hogan on his back. <laughs> I had no idea that Shane Douglas was in this, or even in the company at this time. He was there for a cup of coffee Very at that time. Young. Yeah, yeah, he debuted like uh, two years earlier in the NWA, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I don't know. I actually had no idea he had a run in the WWF before uh, before Dean Douglas. And uh, and both times he was in the WWF, he was just there for a few months, and then he was back to uh, the Indies and the NWA and WCW, that kind of stuff. Well, if I remember correctly, with the first time around, this this time, the reason he left was his father was in bad health, and he mm. was eventually going to pass away. So, mm-hmm. so that's understandable. Absolutely, absolutely. Second time he got treated like trash. Yes, and then he went back to ECW and remained their mm-hmm. franchise player, uh, to use his gimmick, yep. until 99, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah, something about that, yeah, I would say so, because I know he was definitely in WCW in 2000 for the New Blood sto- uh, storyline. Yep. Yeah, he, he started the uh, the revolution with uh, Malenko, uh, Benoit, and Saturn. one other guy. Yeah, I think it was Saturn. Saturn, yeah, yes, and that, that was in middle of 99 or something like that. Before uh, Road Wild that year. Josiah, how is the clock doing at this point? So far, everyone is at two minutes. Holy shit. Wow. All right. Oh, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> the first 20 entrants, all at two minutes, but it's changing soon. Oh. Ooh, I wonder. See, I'm super invested now in Josiah's time watch ability because now I'm like, who did they do it for? Yeah, who got? Who was the one? Yeah, I don't spoil it on us. Right. You tell us when we get there. But we're, I'm, I'm super pumped about this now. <laughs> Bill, what else do you have in your notes about this section? Oh gosh, um, I wrote Piper is having too much fun on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> he was out of his mind. And it oh, was great. Yes. Like, well, he's always out of his mind, but yeah. But there's, like, one point in the match. I'm not sure if it's in this part or the next part. I'll just say it anyway, where Gorilla is like, how do you get prepared for a match like this with so many people? And Hot Rod is like, well, you say a little prayer and you charge! (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I liked Piper. I don't know what it is. I really liked Piper. It's because he's so enthusiastic. Right, he's, his excitement is worn off on me on this match that doesn't even have a meaning for anyone who wins. It's it's so much better than like some of the commentary today where you're not allowed to be excited. Oh, just, yeah, but, exactly. but, but some guy comes up, Michael Cole, oh my, 
to be fair, there's not much to be excited about these. That's, that's so, true. Uh, but going back to the rumble here, because um, God, I could do a rant and a half on today's product. But anyway, we'll get there because we are doing every Royal Rumble. So those 2010 ones are going to rear their <laughs> ugly head at some point. Um, 2014, 2014, uh, 2015. 2015. Yes, 2015. <laughs> what else do you have in your notes, Bill? If anything, um, I I wrote down a piperism from earlier in the match where Piper says it's not a rumble until there's at least four guys in it. So, <laughs> so it's really not a fight until at least four people are fighting. So really, Paul Roman made the match. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That, that, that's what made the match, Paul Roma. Way to go, Paul. Way to go. You actually made yourself useful. Oh my goodness. It's not even a real match. Before For, for foreshadowing of him joining the Horsemen in 93. Oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's not good. I think a lot of people would like to forget that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Josiah, what else do you have in your notes, if anything else? Well, I had uh, Undertaker was on a bit of a roll at that point by eliminating guys. He was up to three or four guys. Mm -hmm. Three. Uh, But then he was uh, eliminated. Let's see. uh, By by, uh, Hawk and Animal. By Hawk and Animal at the same time. So there's two two guys to be eliminated by. There it is. Why not? Mm -hmm. yeah, like, and that makes sense uh, in booking wise because Taker's this undead zombie that's killing everybody, and the Legion of Doom are these overpowered superheroes, so it makes sense they would they would eliminate Taker. Like, he's they were the right guys to do it. Right. And uh, I'm not sure though the person who eliminated Hawk was the right guy. It was Martell and Hercules. And I'm not sure about <laughs> that. Martell, maybe, maybe, but not Hercules. Yeah, I think it's also at this time that they're really pushing Martell. As like, oh, look how long he's been in there. Mm-hmm. Like around and the Valentine. section. Kind, and Valentine, give, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of giving him and Valentine that Iron Man title. And Bill, did you notice that uh, Martel and Tito fighting again? Yep. Well, <laughs> at, at, least, at, at least they had longer to fight this year than last year. Yeah, but last year you were just upset that they were fighting at all. You're like, you think they should get over it. Right. And here they, they are. You go. Tito no, they shouldn't. Should no, it. Tito should not get over it. I would always remember, and I hope as long as these two are in the company while Royal Rumbles are going on, that they constantly go at each other. Bring them back. Bring them back in the next Royal Rumble. You know what? I'm usually against because I'm sick and tired of people just coming back and for for no reason for uh, today's wrestling product. If they said Tito Santana and Rick Martel drew number one and two in the 2019 Royal Rumble, I might actually watch the product. Hey, T- Tito's still working. So. Yeah, he is. All right. So now we go to 21 through 25. 21 is Jim Duggan, 22, Earthquake, 23, Mr. Perfect, 24, Hulk Hogan, and 25, Haku. And I have eliminated during this section, Animal, Duggan, Smash, and Valentine. Josiah, you start off the discussion for this one. Well, we have our first missed time. Who is it? It was Mr. It was Mr. Perfect. Oh. Of, of all people. Uh, his He came in at 2 minutes and 10 seconds, and then it was Hogan. 
at two minutes and ten seconds. Oh, Everyone much. else was two minutes, though. Just those and, uh, Yep, wow. yep. Okay. Uh, so far, there's uh, there's there's another one coming. But uh, I did notice one thing. I don't know if you guys noticed it. It was <laughs> it was so great because I like you couldn't you couldn't even deliberately do this. It was just perfect because it's Mr. Perfect. Oh yes. Uh, uh, when he was coming out, he threw his towel over his head, and it went over Bobby Heenan's head, because Heenan was uh, Mr. Perfect's manager, and Heenan casually re- reached backwards without looking and caught the towel. Yep. <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, Mr. Perfect threw it, and Heenan had the perfect catch. He didn't even look. Like, he just casually reached behind him as he was walking, grabbed the towel out of midair, and kept going. And... You know, when Heenan said he taught Mr. Perfect everything he knew, now I believe him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have here I, – I'm going to assume that this was Piper, even though I didn't write down <laughs> who said it. He's, one of them said, everyone is going after the Hulkster. And when he says that, whoever it was, I'm like, wait a minute. There's like eight people in there, and two people are going after Hogan. <laughs> <you're saying> this. <laughs> it's not everyone. Sorry. Um, yeah, but that's I don't really have that much for this, believe it or not. What do you got, uh, Phil? I have I have actually three things on this one. First three. one was myself writing down, this feels weird without a buzzer. It just felt so weird because the mm. previous two... You know, we're so used to the buzzer, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, the buzzer's going to come, someone's coming out, and then in this one, after Greg Valentine came out and killed the buzzer, we never had the buzzer again the rest of the match. Right. So, so I had that. And then... I, I just have images of Greg Valentine backstage. There's a buzzer button, and Greg Valentine <laughs> ate it or something like that before he came out. <laughs> oh, he should have had a shirt that said, I broke buzzer. <laughs> improper grammar at all that's perfect exactly. so the next thing I had and I want to see if either one of you caught this when they count down and this is going to be towards Hogan coming out like they get to zero and then there's a kid that yells out Hulk Hogan and here comes Hulk Hogan <laughs> and it's like how did he know that he was coming out you know <laughs> it's like he like I wondered that kid was working for the company at the time. It wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. I definitely didn't catch that though. By the way, really? Oh my god, that yeah. kid is so clear. He's so clear when you hear it. Um, my final thing. There were so many bodies in that ring. I mean, there. I, I counted. There were eleven guys at one time in the ring. That's the most. Was eleven guys. Just be- just before Hogan came out, I was thinking we need to get Hogan out here to just start tossing people because there's so many guys in the ring. And then he came out and started tossing people. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I I did on a on a note. Uh, I almost missed that they didn't have the entrance music at this time when people came out mm-hmm. because could you imagine the pop Hogan would have got if Real American hit? Wow. Like. Because he was, he got a massive pop when he came out, and it would have been even louder if Hogan's music hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Actually, there's only been at this point I, less than a handful of people have come out with music. 
Yeah, last uh, episode we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that. I mean, I, I don't think there's more than five. I'll say, well, who's it? Like Axe and Smash? Right. The, the, the two stupid, yeah. And, and it's, really, it's really just if they start the match, too. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's no, generally speaking, no music. That's true. Um, I uh, Also, just on a random note, I need to tell you guys, I love Haku. Oh, I love Ming. Dude, he is the he, man. He's so great. Like he he may not be the absolute best in the ring, but I just love watching him because he's such a big, strong dude who just kicks the crap out of people. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. And surprisingly, isn't he still doing things today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, he was at the last American New Japan show, and mm-hmm. he came up with his sons as a member of the Bullet Club. Yep. Yes, that's and, what I remember. Okay. And then he pile drove the crap out of Kenny Omega. And earlier he re- in the show he wrestled a match and. Uh, I was watching it with a friend, and I started giggling like a little kid when he uh, hit a pile driver on Rocky Romero. It it was so great. (laughs) No, you go first. I was going to say, Haku, perfect member for Bullet Club. Oh, yeah. He's he's the perfect guy. Although now he's a part of the Bullet Club firing squad, which is the split group. But he's still a member of the Bullet Club and has been for a number of years Mm -hmm. as an occasional member. And whenever he shows up, it makes me so happy. Yep. Like I said, I'm just impressed that he's still doing things, um, like, just in general. I mean, because it also, from what I saw about from that stuff, is it doesn't really seem like he's taking away from, like, current talent, I guess you would say. Like, like it seems like he's it, – it's very rare today in pro wrestling, but, like, usually the it seems like the person that comes back takes away – gets the spotlight and doesn't really shed any on the new talent. And this, yeah. it doesn't seem to be the case with the, with Haku at all. No, uh, in this no. Story. He, he's, he's there to actually help highlight the younger guys. Right. To add to the thing. Exactly. Add some legitimacy and put this, put the spotlight on his sons. And, uh, and he also, him, him hitting the pile driver and Kenny Omega puts over, he's the strong guy who's coached his sons. These are the guys who can stand up to Kenny Omega, that kind of stuff. Right. Which is what the what should be happening, just like how at this time during the Rumble, I think this is when they start the announcers start wondering, and which they should, who was number eighteen? They start kind of going back and forth, and that's when I really get nervous because then they're like, I think they mentioned tugboat again. Yeah. Yep. That yep. he's still coming out. That he's still as that they'll find out by process of elimination mm-hmm. is basically what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys catch that? And what, what do you think about the whole debating on who 18 is rather than just dropping it? All right. Well, I, I actually like that because it kind of kept uh, the mystery going forward. And they and Monsoon said, we have a list of every entrance, so we just have to – it's a matter of finding out. We'll know by number 30 who it was. And uh, and I really liked how, um, how Monsoon kept going back to that. Okay, we know it's not him. Mm-hmm. We know it's not him. And uh, that was actually very good storytelling uh, to kind of keep you engaged as to who was uh, missing. Mm-hmm. I, I also liked how Piper was like, maybe they got too nervous. Maybe they were scared to come out. And, and he's coming up with these different – they're both coming up with these ideas, but it's mostly Hot Rod who's coming up mm-hmm. with these ideas of why they didn't show up, you know. You could come up with just about any logical reason, and it would make sense. And and with that too, it's also selling. Like if he's scared, it's selling the 
you know, this is a big match. Mm-hmm. This is an important match. It's a dangerous match. And it's not one you enter into lightly. <laughs> right. That would give a little more importance as opposed to, oh, guys, these everyone's fighting, but it's for nothing. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. At least it does give that. It would at least give that. And you're right, though. I was sitting there. I was like, oh, no, that's right. Tugboat didn't come out yet. Damn it. Uh, what else do you have, Bill? Anything else for this section? Um, not really. The rest is for the last five and into towards the end. All right, let me ask Josiah this, because I'm really... Josiah, you said you saw this when it originally aired, or no? I apologize. Uh, A little bit after when it originally aired. I I started... I don't know exactly when I started watching wrestling. Um, I just don't remember. I just know Bret Hart was the guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it it was probably around 93, but it could have even been before then, because I remember Hogan the Savage, too. So, uh, but yeah, what... Here's why I ask this, because, you know, you mentioned that you are you're from Canada and whatnot. And clearly this show has a lot of USA, USA, like as we're, you know, we're fighting Saudi Arabia, we're, all that stuff. We'll finish this later on. No, all right. And this is the last time. So. Here's 26 through 30. 26, Jim Nyhart. 27, Luke. 28, Brian Nobbs. 29, The Warlord. And number 30, Tugboat. Now we're going to make our way to the final four, but for now, here's who was eliminated. Uh, Santana, Luke, Hercules, Crush, Warlord, Tugboat, Perfect, Nyhart, Haku, uh, and Martell. Mm-hmm. That's uh, before we get to the final four. Right. Uh, we'll make our way towards that. Um, but real quick, just to finish off, what I was saying. So, Josiah, I guess like when I what I was trying to get to is if like you're watching this and there's a lot of American patriotism kind of pushed at you know, the viewer. Mm-hmm. You being from Canada, do you care or are you like numb to it or do you are or are you invested in this? I'm curious how someone not in America reacts to this stuff. Even as a kid, that kind of stuff always seemed weird to me. Like, it was just like, well, yeah, I mean, America's our ally is Canada that are our best ally, so yay, go America. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, I, I got behind Lex Luger and that kind of stuff when I was a little kid. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole Lex Express America stuff. Uh, and, you know, but it, it, still, it still was kind of a little bit of a disconnect because, uh, I know, I'm not American. And, right. uh, and... Actually, the storyline I remember. I remember the first time I actually got get, got invested in a, a country storyline was when Brett was a heel in the U.S. and a babyface everywhere else. Right. And and I kept thinking, my gosh, Brett's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was really interesting too. In the promos that he cut, he actually made valid criticisms about stuff. Uh, and that's why it worked as a heel and why people hated it is because he was telling the truth. But but so so but like in this situation, does it? The question really is though, like, does it turn you off of it, like, or does it just not even really matter? It doesn't affect. Because like I can imagine, let's let's say it's the opposite around, and they're doing a storyline about Canada. There's mm-hmm. probably a good chance I'm like, I don't care about this. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so when I was a little kid, it didn't. I didn't really notice. It was just okay, cool. That's the story. 
Uh, nowadays, it's more even with the they do that now. You know, they always somehow whenever they decide to turn Rusev heel, mm-hmm. uh, they have him be that you know uh, anti-American character or what they did with Ginger. And it's just like I don't care. I, I don't care about this. Uh, like, and it's not it's not just because uh, you know it's fine to have a pro America storyline and all that, and that's good. But I, it's so overdone. Right. Okay. All right. Let's move on here for the rumble. So I have now Luke gets his receipt for going after Hogan in 1989. <laughs> uh, I have Shane Douglas is in for a while, which I was very surprised about. Mm-hmm. Martell is setting records. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have, Bill? I have hi Luke, bye Luke. That's my first thing. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but but you got but you know what? It was funny in in a way because he it, never touches anybody. It's like it, it, neither did Jake Roberts. Yeah, but like for one the one year. Well, yeah, but at least he wasn't doing the bushwhacker dance. You know, Luke when he gets tossed out, he's like, oh, "Okay, I'm still doing this." Oh, I'm just gonna walk off now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you could hear the crowd laughing afterwards when he landed, and then when he started walking off the same way, the crowd just burst into laughter. Oh yeah, they gave him an ovation. Yeah, because oh, it, was, well it was great. It was it was great. How like it was stupid, but it was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, then I went, wrote that everybody went after knobs. <laughs> of, of all people, why would you go after knobs? And where's Seggs? Yeah, good question. Um, he had a dark match before the what? pay-per-view. Oh, that's right. Was it against Sam Houston? Yeah. Wait, oh, good lord. That, that would be awful. Wait a minute. Hold on. They... I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So they were like, okay, we can only choose one nasty boy to be in the Rumble. Which one of these two are the better of the two? And they voted on knobs. Well, wait. How? Under what credential? Okay, you know what? I'm going to remember that when we get to next year. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. To to be fair, he is the better of the two. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And and oddly enough, he's actually trained guys quite well, despite not being a great worker himself. But and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, perhaps more importantly, he was a guest many times on Hogan Knows Best. Yeah, that's true. I, <laughs> yeah. I say I say that because that actually does matter because he's obviously chummy with Hogan. Yeah, he's very good friends with Hogan. Whereas Luke, apparently not. Right. And then, like, every time they refer to Noms, it's like, oh, one of the nasty guys, one of the nasty fellas, uh, one of those nasty men. They could never say nasty boy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that right. actually reminded me of earlier in the match whenever, um, uh, I think it was when Smash came out of the demolition. Uh-huh. And Piper just called him demolition the whole time. <laughs> That made me laugh so much. It's like he couldn't remember who he was, so he just called him Demolition. Silly thought. I'm just going back to what Bill said about uh, they wouldn't call them nasty boys or what? Would you say again? Yeah, they they called them like they called him a nasty fella, a nasty guy. Is there any chance that they were scared of Janet Jackson? No, because he's did wearing that song a, come out? No, he's still wearing a nasty boy's shirt. That's true, I guess. I don't know why they wouldn't say it. 
Well, remember, Gorilla, Gorilla's memory is starting to fade, I think, at this point, and Hot Rod is probably He's on some kind of drug, so, you know. Um, I have down here... So we we find out by process of elimination that Macho King was number 18. Uh-huh. I say I put down here smart move by Savage. How, can you imagine how relieved I was to see Tugboat come out of the <laughs> The Tugboat. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only. Man, the myth, I, the legend. I'd still mark out if he came out in the next one. Oh. And then we did get Hogan versus Tugboat. Yes, we did. If he, if he came out as Shockmaster, I'd laugh. Oh, <laughs> that looked pretty good. Although, oh. I did see what they did do with Shockmaster when he, they had him appear, and it was terrible. So now I, I take that back. That's true. That's true. I don't trust them to do anything right these days. Right. No, I agree. Oh. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, so, uh, out of the last five, who do you think was the one that was late? Um, let me, let, I'll, I'll take a guess and say it was Bushwhacker Luke. It was not. I'm going to say Knobs. Nope. It was Jim Neidhart. <laughs> and okay. he came in at two minutes and 40 seconds, making the longest, the longest one. Wow. Every single one of them was over two minutes, though, and there was none under. You're so, good. Uh, so at a, three guys in the entire Royal Rumble had, were mistimed. Okay. I mean, that's probably a better average than I actually thought. That's like one out of every, what, nine entrants? Almost? Yeah, yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Or one every and, ten? Uh, and what makes that, that shows that it's still Pat Patterson putting these things together, mm-hmm. and he cared about the internal logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, what else do you have for this? Uh, Segment. I wrote, how is Martel still standing? At this point, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, these guys are sweating in this match. Mm. I mean, mm. like, how in the how is Martel still going at this point? It had to be scorching hot in that building. Oh, it had to. Hogan was sweating before he got to the ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not unusual for Hogan, right? You, but... Really not. <laughs> uh, and what did you guys think about Hogan Tugboot? I liked it. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. It, was I mean, fun. it just proves it's every man for himself. All right. So let's start. Me, unless you guys have something else to say, we're going to make our way to the final four now. Nope. Uh, I just say I like the uh, elimination of Mr. Perfect by the Bulldog. Oh, yeah. And then uh, when Bobby throws the towel. The towel. Yes, the <laughs> towel. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Bulldog hit a pretty nice drop kick, and Perfect took Great bump to the floor, and then as soon as Perfect hit the floor, you can you can almost hear Heenan yelling "No!" <laughs> and he threw his towel o- uh, over the head and, and went into the front row, and a, a kid was very very happy. <laughs> you know, I I wonder real quick if when Perfect got eliminated and Heenan was like "No!" and then he saw Haku and he's like "Oh crap! I still have a chance." <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because he was a member of the Heenan family. Poor Haku. We love you, Haku. Should, someone should have given him a world title run somewhere. All right, so we get down to our final floor, which is the Bulldog, Knobs, Earthquake, and Hogan. Bulldog gets eliminated, so it becomes Knobs, Hogan, and Earthquake. Uh, they actually do have a note here that says, we're Sags, and then I put Knobs <laughs> out. Uh, so then finally we're down to Hogan, and he eliminates Earthquake. 
Hogan wins and Hogan is going to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I, I wrote, why? Because at one point he tries to body slam Earthquake. Why are you body slamming him? All you got to do is just dump him out. Just why body slam him? Because <laughs> Vince put together the match and he was like, he needs to slam him like Andre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then my last note is Hogan wins again. Yep. At least he gets something out of it this time. Yeah. Eventually. He has to go to Saudi Arabia. Right. To, to support our troops. By just... which, which he's, the, he's the one that gave himself that stipulation, granted. But <laughs> still. Hey, honestly, that's relevant considering uh, the show they're going to be doing there relatively soon, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Now, I do want to bring up something. Yes. And sure. I, I want to see if you guys have ever heard this story. Because originally, one of the 30 men that were going to be in that, or that was going to be in that match, was Andre the Giant. They had actually advertised Andre to be Hmm. in that match. What (laughs) some people don't know is Andre was the original choice to win the Royal Rumble that year. Wow. But because of the injuries that he had... They the doctors wouldn't let him go, so Andre couldn't compete. Okay. Um, I yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, like I said, it's not like the winner gets anything, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. And uh, I I think Andre only appeared for the WWF one more time after that. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, in 1993. I think he appeared. Oh no, it was before that. Yeah. Uh, uh, he he appeared once, and then uh, he did a tour of Japan, and then passed away soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is quite sad. And his last TV appearance in the U.S. is at WCW. Yes, that's right. That's what I was thinking. WCW in '93. Yep. I wonder if that beats <laughs> Vince up. I'm just out of curiosity. It must. No, I don't think so. I mean, if they has. A- don't they have, like, a battle royal named after him? Well, I know, but at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, given that he still he still thinks WCW is his competition and needs to bury them all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's start wrapping things up. Let's get – what are your uh, overall thoughts, Bill first and then Josiah? Um – I, this was a fun match. I mean, it it's not as good as 90, but I still enjoy this match. Piper on commentary is great to listen to. It It's just, it's like <clears throat> part outrageousness, but part him wanting to be in it, which makes it good to listen to. It makes it fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Josiah, what about you? Well, I have a Piperism for you, if you're speaking of that. Uh, I think he was talking about Martel. It could have been someone else, but it was right when um, Haku was eliminated by the, Brit- uh, by the British Bulldog. Uh, Piper said that at this point, your legs are numb and brain dead. Okay. <laughs> your legs are brain dead. Yep. Yep. I laughed. <laughs> and I laughed, and then I wrote it down. Uh, Very good. P- we, P- we Piper to... was a... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we need to come out with a book of Piperisms. Yeah, it's just like Heenanisms, yep. too. Uh, like, there just needs to be an entire book dedicated to both those men. Yeah. 
Great men, great yes, men. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like Piper on commentary because he was so excited the whole match, uh, and I mean he was completely out of his mind. But that's not unusual for Roddy Piper, and uh, I, I Monsoon couldn't keep him in check. He kept saying random crap and all that, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the match was a lot of fun, um, and it was it was very obvious who was going to win, and honestly. It was the right guy to win at that time, based on what they were doing, storyline-wise. Not that the story was all that great, but right. But nonetheless, if that's the story you're telling, it's the right guy to win. And um, but you can, you really could feel the winds of change in the crowd, uh, because I noticed when the, the guys, the guys who were most over in that match coming out, the three most over guys, uh, was no question uh, Hogan was the most over then Jake Roberts, and then Bret Hart. Uh, at least that's what I gathered from it. All right. Um, for me, I thought this was a, an okay rumble. Uh, like I agree that Piper uh, Piper being excited definitely got me more into uh, the Royal Rumble for this year. Uh, same stuff, though, as far as me looking at the rules and seeing what are they going to enforce. Like, Are they going to go back to not having managers next year? How long is this going to stay up to date? Um, again, the, I think what I'm going to remember the 1991 Rumble with the most for in this podcast is that they should have stuck with the if you're outside the ring, you got you get counted out, and if it hits ten, you're not you're not you're gone. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to be a catalyst to every show that we're going to wind up doing in the future. Because there's so many problems when it comes to that and the inconsistencies. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, next, in two weeks, we're doing 1992, and then two weeks after that, 1993, and then it becomes randomized because then the wheel comes into play, and then we're going to be jumping around. Mm-hmm. Bill, I gotta be honest, you're a little nervous about 1992. Uh, I mean. It's, we've done it already. We've even, done it even before. So. Like, for those who real, should I mention it real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I want you to plug it. Yeah, okay. real quick. Real quick, um, on my podcast, that wrestling show, about six years ago, Jim and I we reviewed the entire show. So instead of doing in this episode the entire show, we're just going to do the entire match. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jim. There was more new stuff that I caught this time around watching the match. That's surprising to me. I will be the, the, one of the reasons I'm nervous is because I'm like, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but the 1992 Royal Rumble is one of those Royal Rumbles that, like, a lot of people consider their favorite. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's nothing left to drain from that well. Right. It's like there's everyone, everything that's going to be said has been said before. So that's why I'm nervous, just to give everyone a heads up. Right. That's the reason why. It's like, but we'll see what happens. Um, it is a very good match, though. It, it is. Yeah, but like I said, for podcast reasons, like so many people have done it. Like there's certain events in wrestling in wrestling history that like are go-tos for wrestling podcasts to go to, and this is one of them. So like I said, I'm just a little like, ugh. How much of this well is there to dry to dry out? But we'll see. I'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll think of something. We'll have a guest on for that as well. Yep. Uh, Josiah, final plugs on things you're doing again. I know you gave it earlier in the show, but do it again. 
Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WR underscore Central. Uh, I write weekly for the Wrestling Observer covering Lucha Underground, and I also write uh, quite frequently for Daily DDT covering Ring of Honor and New Japan primarily, but I just kind of write about everything. And uh, I think uh, if you follow the promotion that I work with, um, at Wrestling IHW, they're a small company, local company here in uh, the Maritimes. We have the hottest wrestling territory in the world that you've never heard of. And uh, we are putting on shows consistently that are top-notch. I put them up against anyone else in the world. All right, and Bill, why don't you send us out of here? Thank you, Josiah, for joining yes, us. Thank you, Josiah. Um, thank, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, anytime. You're welcome. Uh, if you want to follow Jim on Twitter, he is at That's Podcasting, and you can follow me on Twitter at House of Bill. Uh, like Jim said, next time we're going to review what many considered the greatest Royal Rumble of them all, the 1992 oh. Royal Rumble. Also, we have an email address now. Oh, yes! Thank you. Yes, sorry. We do have an email address, so if you have any comments, questions that you want to send, it is eliminated3088-3088 at gmail.com. That's eliminated3088 at gmail.com. And also, uh, more uh, even as important... Uh, if you're interested in doing audio work uh, and want to be part of the team, also send an email to that email address, and we'll see if maybe uh, we can work together in the future. Yep, exactly. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode, and the 1991 Royal Rumble has been eliminated.